Ladies and gents, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to start buying back your time by creating your own economy, start by going to attorneybydesign.com to download the Freedom Blueprint, which will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. Okay. Let's talk about that comfort zone, that nice warm place that you never leave, getting up every day, going to the office, billing hours, seeing clients, coming home, eating, showering, sleeping, and repeat. Well, let's try something different for a change. Let's get creative. Take the wife or husband out for a date somewhere you've never been. Let the grandparents watch the kids for a week and travel somewhere interesting. Go to Colombia, go to Egypt, Hell, go to a national park, try glamping, just do something fun, something you've never done before. Then when you get back, stop and concentrate on how that made you feel. It's good. It's real good. It's, it's getting out of the monotony, out of the comfort zone and into your discomfort zone. And this is just one fun example, but you can do the same thing with investing, with business, with who you surround yourself with what you do with your free time, how you approach your day, and ultimately what you do and experience during these limited spins we have on this rock. Living, man. L-I-V-I-N. I challenge you to get uncomfortable this week. Now, our guest of honor today is former big law attorney and NYU law grad, Adam Jason, who certainly knows how to get uncomfortable. He left a cushy big law job in the U.S. to start Legacy Group, a private equity company in Columbia. And that's Columbia with two O's, not a U, not the one in South Carolina. He's a founder of the Green Coffee Company. You may have heard of it. It's the second largest producer of coffee in Columbia, soon to be number one in the next year or so. Super stoked for this show. Let's jump in. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Adam, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, how you doing? Thank you for the, the opportunity. Uh, you're welcome. Doing great. Doing great, man. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into your story. Tell us a little bit about your background, your story. Um, take it far, as far back as you'd like. Sure. We're talking to attorneys, so I'll make that a big part of it. But grew up in Buffalo, New York. Football player my whole life. Didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. Got into kind of education in my undergrad. Thought I was going to be a phys ed health teacher. Decided to change paths kind of late in my college career, another st- topic, but, you know, we can get into kind of the, if it's prudent or not, that people are making decisions for the rest of their lives when they're 16. I know I sure wasn't ready to do that, but <laughs> ended up going to law school, went to New York law school, graduated there, got a job at Jones Day in Cleveland. So worked there, went into the capital markets practice, practiced there for six years, moved down to our Dallas office, worked there for about two years. Got a job down in Houston at Vincent and Elkins, but kind of the thing that's most shaped my current path was between the Dallas time and the Houston time, 
I had a month off and decided to do some traveling, came down to Medellin, Colombia, where I now live, work, have a family, and fell in love with it, started meeting people, doing some interesting things down here, met my now business partner who was kicking off a coffee business down here, which we can explore later, but basically went back to the U.S., started working at the firm down in Houston, and was right about at the point in my career where you decide, do you do partner? Do you go in-house? Do you do something kind of on your own? And I took the, the latter approach, decided to come back down here to Columbia in January of 2018, have been building businesses through the private equity group that we now have focused on agriculture, technology, some other industries down here, got married this past March. So have really kind of built a new home in the investing world and South America, which, you know, long way from small town outside Buffalo, New York. <laughs> yeah, man, a lot, lot to unpack there. So it sounds <laughs> like you, you're an athlete, you, you wanted to be a phys ed teacher. What, what, what provoked you to go to law school? Why did, why did you make that change? You know what, I think um, in a way, and I, I think a lot of people end up falling into this, but in, in many ways, it was a way of just, of just buying my time a little bit. I also saw potential from a career perspective. I'd always taken an interest in like politics and history and kind of understanding how our systems and things worked. Thought it would honestly be an interesting opportunity, but also a way to kind of figure out what am I going to do? Because I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't kind of know yet exactly what I wanted to. I think there's a lot of people, you know, having been around this world for a while now that can probably relate to that. I was fortunate enough that I really loved it. I was able to kind of transition from athlete mode to taking that same dedication, discipline, applying it to career and doing well in law school, finding a good job. I was fortunate enough that the application of that, you know, paid off and it's opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah, for sure. And, and going back to the sports thing, I think sports really teaches you at, at all levels, like discipline and how to work hard and and all those sorts of things and really set you up for success for life, no matter what level you, you start. I think so. I think so. It builds some competitive competitiveness within you. I think it's important to have be part of a team and have other people depend on you being effective. So couldn't agree more. Yeah. At what point did you kind of have that aha moment where you and, and start looking at, you know, going into business for yourself, going investing in alternative investments um, you know, a lot of people that are listening, they maybe a similar uh, background to you working at a big law firm, you know, they're inundated with billing hours and all that stuff. I mean, when did you even have time to think about starting your own business and, and leaving your practice? Yeah, in terms of alternative investments and maybe just a little background on what we're doing right now. But, you know, since coming down to Columbia, formed a private equity group down here, we bring in mostly accredited investor capital and build businesses in agriculture, technology terms of kind of transitioning to finding those to be opportunities myself, it was really more of, I'm going to invest in myself and be willing to take some risks and find, I guess, opportunities that interest me. And I assume that if I'm interested in them, there's capital that could soon kind of find a home in the things that, in the things that we're doing. So you begin to kind of build businesses and then obviously compare it from an investment perspective against what other opportunities in, in markets there might be for folks, whether it's public equities, real estate, crypto. I think we're hitting a point now, we're seeing it you know, kind of in, in the markets play out, but 
asset prices have gone up so much that what we're doing in the alternative space where you have direct access to the issuer, you're participating in private deals, there's a lot more chance for, I guess, upside, I think, versus what you might get if you're investing at cap rates in a commercial real estate market, or that you might see in, in public equities currently as the Fed transitions to new interest rate hikes and all these different things. There's a lot of kind of factors at play that might not bear out directly to the kind of company and economic nature of the business that you're investing in, where you can get a little more stability in, in private markets, alternative assets, doing things overseas, try to present those opportunities to people through what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about legacy, um, the types of investments that you guys offer. What, what What's your business look like? Yeah, so basically our theory is we're either going to build businesses here in Colombia or we're going to take our own capital and invest in them. The business really started off in 2017 with the Green Coffee Company. We've grown that business since 2017 to become the second largest coffee producer in all of Colombia. We've brought in about $25 million of equity capital from accredited investors in the US. We haven't gone into the fund space or family office or anything like that. We have about 220 you know, so-called real re retail investors in, in what we're doing. Try and basically open up alternative investment opportunities for folks who are looking for something out of the country, out of their backyard, in a new industry, something like coffee, where they couldn't really have any access to it by just participating in, in US markets in particular, but where they can get comfortable around the fact that they have a US trained team, that the businesses are structured out of the US, but they're able to generate returns from a new asset class and a new industry. We also are invested down here in really an emerging technology company in the video game space, really focused on NFTs and the metaverse and kind of the hot topics now, but also really trying to transform the ecosystem here in terms of technology, bringing more of kind of Silicon Valley development opportunity feel to the city so that more people can participate in an industry where really it's become global in the sense that companies like Apple, Microsoft, we just saw the acquisition that they did. People are looking for talent really in that space, wherever they can find it at a much lower price point. And I think that, you know, what we're doing in that side of the business is exciting as well. But our main focus in terms of investor capital right now is what we're doing in, in coffee. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So you guys don't really limit yourself to just agriculture or, or coffee. Um, you're getting into the tech space as well, just wherever you might see some um, some returns in the market. Yeah, with a focus on impact. You know, when okay. we look at coffee, we get the benefits of sustainability. We can have an impact on the industry in terms of how workers are treated, how business is done, technology that's introduced to the industry. As I mentioned with the technology company, you can basically take a market where people haven't even had the flexibility because they're looking for the, the money that they need that day to feed their families, to open up new opportunities, allow them to kind of explore their passions in technology, art and design, video game creation, through kind of the, the work that the, the company's doing and an academic program they have where they're basically bringing people in, creating their own ecosystem, and then flowing them through as employees as they pass through the, the training that they do. So those kind of things where we're generating great financial returns, 
we're also making an impact. I think kind of today's form of capitalism requires that going forward. And we'll continue to look for opportunities that can have that kind of impact, whether it's in energy, fintech, so some other kind of things that we're exploring down here. Awesome. Awesome. Tell us a little bit more about the, the coffee business and, and, you know, what exactly is it? What do you guys do? I mean, you obviously raise capital for this business, but from someone like myself or a passive investor that's just getting started that, that may be interested in investing with you guys, you know, where, where do you start? What, what does that pitch sound like? Yeah. So Green Coffee Company formed in 2017. As I mentioned, we've grown that to be one of the two largest coffee producers in all of Colombia. I think we'll get to number one this year. Macroeconomically significant in the sense that coffee produces about, or excuse me, Colombia produces about 10% of the world's coffee, which is the third largest. Anyone who drinks coffee, it's kind of synonymous, but our play is really consolidation infrastructure. Right now we're focused on B2B sales. We'll move farther down the value chain by going B2C in the, in the coming time frame here. But we structured everything out of the US to make it as frictionless as possible for investors. My background raising capital is also helpful. So for people who are kind of thinking about, you know, how can I go from legal job to something entrepreneurial, a lot of skill sets that carry over, but exciting in the sense that you get to be a little bit more strategic. Um, but, you know, our goal is really get the business to an exit, grow it to where we can get the most value for investors. I, I think that, you know, we get there through a, a potential IPO or a sale to one of our clients, like a Sucafina, Nestle, Starbucks, all those kind of, kind of big players in the industry that we're looking to consolidate. Um, and with, with the thesis really being, you know, we're giving this chance to U.S. investors that they otherwise couldn't. They couldn't invest directly in the largest coffee company in Brazil. They couldn't invest in the largest coffee company in Vietnam, those two countries being the two that are larger globally in terms of production than, than Colombia. And they get the benefits of, like I said, having a, a U.S. kind of trained team that's able to be on the ground here in Colombia and source talent and build the right operational team so that we can deliver on our promises. $25 million raised to date and deployed here in, in Colombia, primarily focused on land consolidation, having a strong collateralized asset base, and building the infrastructure and technology we need to really kind of be a game changer but also make us an ideal target for somebody who might want to acquire us. It's historically a very decentralized industry where you have most farmers owning about three acres of land, whereas we've kind of focused on acquisitions from large landholders, put together about 5,000 acres so that we're something that somebody like a Nestle or Starbucks would have interest in and kind of doing the hard work for them out the gate or getting the company to an IPO and letting people continue for the long term, which would be my preferred route because I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What what are some of the advantages for investors to invest in agriculture, invest in coffee compared to let's say the stuff that maybe they have already heard about, multifamily or commercial real estate or even um, you know, something in that sector? What what are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? I think it's a great play against inflation, which is something that people are focused on. We're seeing record coffee prices right now, largely due to drought conditions in Brazil that are pushing up the price of Colombian coffee. Obviously, along with those increased prices in, in product, it makes 
the underlying land value rise as well. The thing that I like about it, the thing that gets our investors excited about it is you don't have the typical roof in terms of in terms of kind of an exit value that you might have if you're selling a piece of commercial real estate. You know, we look and we compare ourselves to publicly traded companies that can trade at multiple revenues on earnings or revenue. Whereas if you're in commercial real estate, you're always going to kind of be in that in that kind of market range. We've we've made the agriculture investment different from what you typically see in the market. A lot of people are doing plots of land, you know, you buy one acre within a farm of a thousand acres and you get the returns from that one piece. You know, there's legal issues around that, but there's also financial benefits that are financial detriments, I think, in terms of liquidity and being able to really sell that on a multiple. We run everything out of a corporate structure. So in terms of kind of how it looks from an investor perspective, it would be the same as you were investing in, in Apple or any other equity security, other than the fact that we're, we're private right now. But as I mentioned, I hope that that one day becomes uh, a public company. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are there any um, tax benefits that you would want to mention that have to do with, you know, agriculture or that, or that sort of investing? The benefits really come from the tax benefits that the company receive, which obviously affect the bottom line that flow up to investors. We don't have any kind of depreciation benefits or flow through from a partnership perspective. Everything's taxed as a C-corp. So the tax benefits that the company gets, for example, if we're doing things in agriculture down here, which you know, obviously we are, there's a lot of tax benefits that come with that. So you know that impacts the returns, but in terms of a direct benefit, it's not, not how it works. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and what are some of maybe just the general, um, you know, things that are the, the advantages and disadvantages, I suppose, of investing in Columbia? I think sometimes Columbia gets kind of a bad name. I know when I travel to Columbia you know, people are like, oh, you're going to Columbia. Are you scared? Are you going to be safe? That sort of thing. And, you know, I went and visited with my wife. It was just me and her. And it was absolutely beautiful. At no point in time did I feel unsafe, but sometimes you you kind of you get a little bit of pushback on that. Do you have any anything to say about those folks? Of course. It's, yeah. it's probably the most popular question I get. I always start it with, I wouldn't be, be here if it was horrible. You know, that, yeah. that's kind of the um the lead-off. Anybody who knows me would know that that would be true. You know, all the guys that you talk about. In terms of you know your listeners and everybody has options so where you kind of choose to be what you want to do is is i think for many people um in your in your audience you know up up to them so i've been here four years my wife's colombian you know we love the life down here brought a lot of our, our money here you know in terms of my businesses myself my business partner we have you know million and a half dollars and in, invested in the country um, been able to, you know, obviously bring in financing from a lot of people who are seeing opportunities in the market because they can't, frankly, get exposed to them in, in the U.S. market. You know, agriculture investment is in many ways closed to the high net worth group there. You're seeing a lot of land get picked up by institutions, private equity, huge money guys like Bill Gates. I think he's now the largest agriculture landowner in the U.S. Most of these deals are not being open to, to this kind of group. So you, you again, get kind of relegated to what traditional investment options are. And, and that's something that we're trying to change for folks. You know, the Columbia dynamic, I think it's an opportunity more than anything else. And it's not really just 
me saying that we've seen huge amounts of foreign investment coming into the country in the last few years. SoftBank just launched another LAT AM fund. I think they're bringing about $8 billion here between the, between the two funds. We're seeing just down the road from, from where we are, Pepsi build its largest plant here in LAT AM, huge kind of investment coming into the tech startup space. We're seeing, I think this year, three unicorns come out of Colombia. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's very much a market that should be on people's radar if they're looking for something outside the U.S. from, from my perspective and, and also kind of the big money capital that's coming in. Yeah, I'm sure that's exciting to, you know, you've already got your foothold down there for the last four years. So being able to kind of see that culminate and more businesses moving into the area, um, just seeing how beautiful it is. And it sounds like it's pretty business friendly as well. That must be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm glad. To, I'm glad you liked it. And you were here in Medellin, where I am. Great city, great weather. The life is great. I feel safer here than I did when I lived in Houston. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, no offense to anybody who lives to lives there. But you know, I think it's part of just kind of opening your mind to new experiences a little bit, not believing everything you hear on the news, whether it's US based or international and kind of seeing things for yourself. I think it's worth the time to adventure a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, I compare it to just like any other city, right? If you're talking about Houston, you're talking about New York City or LA yeah. or I'm in San Diego, there are just places that you don't go at night. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a big city, there are places that you probably shouldn't be hanging out. And just yeah. like in Columbia, you, there's places in those cities that you just don't hang out at night or you don't hang out at all. <laughs> Same advice wherever you are. I agree. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, switching gears just a little bit, um, you know, your transition out of the law and, and a lot of folks, you know, they're, they're sitting at their job and they're not happy and, you know, they want to they want to get out. Sometimes they'll start investing passively or start, you know, a side hustle or a side business or something. Um, and a lot of people, they, they won't get started. Maybe they'll listen to this podcast, maybe they'll read a book and they never kind of make that leap and they just kind of get stuck in their jobs. What, what do you think separates someone like yourself that, um, you know, you, you walked away from your job, a, a really high paying great job at a big firm to, to right. go out on your own and be successful. What, what kind of separates someone like yourself from someone that gets stuck? Everything in life to me has always been, you know, one foot in front of the other, but kind of knowing the direction that, that you want to go. I mean, it's going to depend on life circumstances for everybody. When I made the move, I didn't have a wife. I, I don't have kids now, but I didn't have kids. Other things that people think about in terms of responsibilities, but it's worth understanding kind of what your life criteria is and, and what you need to kind of be happy. I've seen it in the law profession. I've done it myself where it very much becomes, you know, do you have the right car that you park at the firm garage? Do, you know, what, what is these kind of, what are the, the, the social requirements almost to kind of fit into that group? And I think if you play that game, it's going to be very tough to escape, you know, or, if, if escape is, is the right word, but, you know, for me, it was really, I got, I got my head around that. And then it probably took me, I don't know, call it two to three years where I started getting the itch. I, I, I was pretty happy practicing law. I love the people, love the firms, but just kind of had the desire to do something a little bit different and didn't see looking down the road, you know, 10 years, didn't see the life of the kind of partners that were ahead of me as something I, I really wanted. So it was more of a exploration versus like, oh my God, I can't tolerate this. But you just got to get smart about finances, expenses, you know, trying to 
decrease your expenses, increase your income, doing some investment helps, depends on your timeline, but it's important to know, okay, I want to do this when, here's the money that I need to live the lifestyle that I want. One good thing about coming down to Columbia, and it's worth exploring for people potentially is, you know, your cost of living can drastically change depending on your location. You know, I spend probably between my wife and I probably about four grand a month all in. We have a great life, great apartment, kind of do almost whatever we want uh, in terms of restaurants and going out and doing those things. But, you know, keeping it within within reason, if somebody's in L.A. or New York, that's not going to be that's not going to be an option. So for anything, I think start kind of with the end in mind and where do you want to be and then think about. What's going to get me there? Is it can I can I just save more money from the job that I have? Do I need to be looking at some side hustles or, or investment opportunities that give me some cash flow to kind of replace these kind of things? Or do I need to bite my tongue for a little while and kind of put some money at play and see if I can get a big exit that's really going to change things for me where I can continue to live the lifestyle I have or or escalate it in terms of maybe expenses? So it's it's knowing where you want to go i guess is is kind of fundamental to the to the question yeah yeah that's a great response man i mean it comes down to kind of setting your goals and then backtracking to see how to get there whether that's increasing your income decreasing your expenses um you know investing in deals or starting a side hustle whatever it might be you've kind of got to deconstruct that uh working backwards so that's that's awesome man yeah that's awesome i mean it's not it's i don't think it's revolutionary advice but it's just the facts of you know you got to treat kind of your life like you would a business look at your balance sheet what does that look like what does your p and l look like some of us as lawyers don't even know what those terms mean but it's good <laughs> to kind of figure out if 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 your life is kind of de- going to depend on managing you know your 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 finances in a way that doesn't require you to trade your time for money, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's important. I mean, you just, you put out your number, you said $48,000 is what you and your wife is kind of, that's your, that's your burn rate. That's, that's kind of like right. bottom through like what you need. I, I know that mine is $80,000. I live in San Diego, so it's a little bit right. higher, um, right. but most people don't know that number. They don't even know what it's going to take to be able to walk away from, you know, a job that they may not enjoy. And you've right. got to figure that out. Right. And you know what I think, um, not being afraid to fail. Fortunately for most of us, you know, if if you want to try something new and it doesn't work out, the law firm world or going back to practice law in some capacity, like we we kind of started at the beginning, that world is is most likely always going to be there for you. In fact, the people I've talked to who have I, you know, maybe didn't keep in contact with for some time and these are, you know, other attorneys that I practice with, most of them are kind of envious in the sense of you're doing these different things, you know, trying something new. I don't think it would ever be, in most cases, something that's held against you for trying to do something new or explore some interest. In fact, I think it would kind of, if I saw it, for example, as somebody hiring, it would show to me that this person's kind of broadening their horizons a little bit, maybe has learned something that they wouldn't learn just in the in the four walls of their office. So kind of getting over that fear of kind of the worst case scenario for me has was fundamental as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a scare tactic. I think that, you know, you, you've always heard, and I'm sure some of the listeners have heard it too, where don't leave, make sure you're going to leave. Even going in house, they tell you don't go in house unless you're not coming back because you're not going to get hired at a, at a large law firm again, but that's entirely not true. I, I've never seen it to play out that way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. All right, man. Before we jump into the Freedom Four, one last gold nugget for our listeners. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I, I think the biggest one, if, if, you know, the focus is kind of how do I make that transition, a little bit of a repeat of what I just said, but, but don't let kind of the stigma or fear of what might happen hold you back from kind of going what you, for, for what you, you'd like to do. There's, there, there's always a way to kind of get things back on track. Financially, I think, you know, most people, if you were to say, okay, what is this going to look for me financially? If you have a couple months of savings put away, call it six months to be conservative, good chance that if something goes off the tracks, you can get back on your feet in, in that period of time. At least that's kind of my perspective and, and the people that I know who, or myself, if you know, I was going to give myself a timeline of you know, how long would I need to get another big law firm job? I think I think that would be something kind of comfortable. So do the math and understand really what you need to thrive. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? I think what I've learned over the last couple of years is kind of reserve my energy mentally for the things that require it. So when it comes to health, exercise, diet, I try to put as much of that kind of on speed dial as possible. So every morning I have time reserved for going to the gym, making sure kind of I'm eating correctly, a little time to let my mind get ready for the day, which sometimes in the, I think, you know, the law firm world, you don't even have that time in the morning. I remember kind of waking up to a million emails. So that's another psychological benefit to, I guess, having more control over your time, obviously, but, you know, kind of removing the decision-making process from stuff that you need, you know, you need to do every day and that you can appropriately account for gym, food, exercise, time with your family, having control a little bit more of your calendar to the extent you can and and accounting for things that you need to get done. Yep. Yep. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? I think it was, from my, my background and, and kind of seeing, you know, the generation before me and my parents and grandparents, just kind of what a career path is supposed to look like. I think it's changing now more than ever. We're seeing, of course, kind of the work from home and the, the independent contractor economy growing and these kind of things. And I've seen, I've heard of law firms that are fully remote right now. You know, that's an interesting kind of possibility for people, not because of the pandemic, but because they don't want to have huge offices, high overhead that they have to then kind of pass down to their, their clients. And I think the world's becoming more accepting of kind of um, these kind of conversations, Zoom, what have you, but, you know, not getting locked into, okay, I have to be an associate, then I have to be a partner. And then, you know, I, I continue in that role without exploring other things. I, I always kind of had the idea of you get a good job, you're making good income. How could you possibly risk that for something else when it's not, I, I think it's some of the worst advice actually. So <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> I came from the same background, yeah. same mindset and had to get over those hurdles, man. Yeah. What's one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom for themselves? Yeah. Eliminate the clutter. I think in your life, if you're waking up every day, you know, trying to replan things that you know you're going to do every day. Like I said, the exercise, planning your meals, time and things that you need for yourself to be effective. Make that 
a habit and part of you know, something that you're not going to really compromise on to, to, to the maximum extent that you can so that your mind is clear to focus on your law practice or to put the energy you need into finding, making the right investment decision so you can give yourself more freedom or focusing on the side hustle that you're talking about. A lot of ways to kind of minimize the mental clutter that, that so, much of, so many of us have by not being, frankly, just organized. Yeah, yeah. All right. I know you're super active in, in your business, but you know, how has passive income and, and being financially free you know, made your life better? You know, I think the best thing about having some income coming in or kind of control of your own time or understanding, as we mentioned, like what your expenses need to be and getting to a, a, a point where those are covered really kind of allows you to go on offense in the sense of you can put some money into projects that might have kind of life-changing amounts of money gives you an opportunity to kind of build the wealth you might need. For, for me, financial freedom, you know, as we talked, you know, kind of what, what does that mean and what does this look like? For me, it's more about buying essentially access to people and opportunities. And I think a lot of times the people that you have access to and the opportunities you get is going to come down to how much capital you have and what do you look like for, you know, what does that look like and how can you add value to other people? So for me, it's, get my life in order so that I can cover my minnows. And then through our businesses, things we're doing, really try to grow some wealth to change my life to go from, from here to here in terms of relationships, experiences, being patient and diligence and, and pushing for those things. But if, if you're constantly trying to keep up economically, you're always playing defense, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome way to put it. I haven't heard anyone put it that way before. Great. Oh, happy to add something new to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, man, this has been great. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you and your company and what you guys do? Yeah, if you guys want to see kind of what we're doing on the investment side of things, you can visit the website, legacy-group.co. If you want to find me directly, it's adam.j at legacy-group.co. You can find us on LinkedIn, social media, kind of see what we're doing, keep up to date on investment opportunities, market news. I think, I think kind of providing a, a new spin on investment, new market for people that, you know, if they're, if they're willing to think out the box could be, could be pretty fun. Awesome, man. Awesome. I think we're going to drop a rebate for your coffee too in the, in the show. Do it. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, brother. All right. Thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, Adam. Thanks for your time, Seth. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Adam Jason. What a cool and inspirational success story. If you're interested in hearing more about investing in agriculture and coffee and even outside of the U.S., reach out to Adam. He's definitely your man. I'll drop some info in the show notes so you can reach out. Major key, get uncomfortable. No regrets on that deathbed. Take some risks. Get out there and live a life worth living. All right, if you're ready to get a little bit uncomfortable and are ready to take action today, partner with us on our next passive real estate deal. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.